0: Thank you for listening to this program. The Apostle Peter wrote two letters that we have, and I've been looking at those. They're very similar in a way, written five or six years apart, but I was mainly looking at his first letter. And... It's always better to to let the person that wrote the letter, at least a person interprets it maybe or comments on it. I don't know. But still, it's better to look at his words. So he says, Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Christ. And that's a word that sometimes I hear today, and it was there were those men, and they were apostles And there's a certain, uh, it's a foundation like the description of the apostles being foundation of the church. And so anyway, um, to them who have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and the righteousness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's writing to believers, that's so... for sure. And he says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Christ, uh, of Jesus our Lord. So, grace and peace unto you, and he didn't say that, but that's what's implied. And the faith that we have, grace and peace comes uh, out of that faith. Everything does. We're saved by grace through faith. And he gives us the faith. And he's the author and finisher of our faith. And we're his workmanship. So, Peter is talking to believers that about uh, testing, and in First Peter he says the same thing. That's the interest of Second Peter, but in First Peter and Second Peter, he's talking about testing of our faith, our love for Him, and so he says in First Peter, though this is what I noticed is. In heaviness and manifold temptations, he calls that the trial of your faith. And we're saved by faith. We, the faith is a person, actually, or are we are the uh, workmanship of Christ. And the, Paul said when faith came, then we—and uh, so when he lives in us, we have life and we have faith. And he gives unto us faith, a measure of faith given to every man to profit from. And he said to his servants, I give you my money to profit. And he said, come unto me and buy gold. To those that already know him, but come unto me is is what Peter's talking about. Two believers already. And he's saying we have an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away in heaven and were kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. And wherein greatly rejoice, even if need be, you're in heaviness through temptations and testings. This is the trial of your faith, or in order that the trial of your faith is more precious than gold, but it's tried in that way to get rid of what is not right and he says the answer to it all is verse 8 whom having not seen you love and i still i make myself realize i guess maybe it's just me but my mind tends to want to think about my what what do i do how do i work and there's different things like the grace of god and and here peter says greatly rejoice in what well he said now for a season if need be you're in heaviness Well, you're not greatly, but you greatly rejoice because of what he just said, wherein greatly rejoice. What I just said, and that's what he just said, is elect, according to the foreknowledge of God, saved. And that's something that he did that we're unable to do, and he saved us. But he's begotten us unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Christ. And he means this. in the way of, like Paul said, I just want to know Him and the power of His resurrection. You reckon yourself dead and you're raised up in newness of life every day. And, And there is a final resurrection. I realize that. And there's a final inheritance, as it were, reserved in heaven. But I do believe, like he says, the earnest of our inheritance is the Spirit. That's said several places. So when you give somebody $100 down payment and the word inheritance means, literally means, money given down to hold or a pledge or something like that to hold property with the assurance that the rest will be paid in the very same currency. That's what earnest money is, and the earnest of the Spirit that is our inheritance. So in my mind, and there's a lot of things to support that, is that really our inheritance is not... Rewards in the way of things, or this or that. It's our inheritance is the spirit of who we are. That's why they all say, grow and be multiplied in your love and be obedient to that without spot or blemish in your love. That's not humanly perfect, sinlessly perfect. He talks about what perfection is, what he means is exactly what Peter says receiving the completion, the end, the objective of your faith faith works by love and that is the salvation of your life soul it's not spirit it's your life and a soul has a life yeah and i mean a spirit has a soul has a life and that is part of the spirit it's really uh, quite something to think about but it is not the spirit in and of itself the scripture says the spirit came from god into the womb And then it goes back to God from where it came. But in that spirit, then, is the soul, which is all that it did or said or experienced in its life uh, uh, on the earth. And so, but see, when you're given a new spirit and born again, like he says, begotten us again unto a lively, a living, Him— He's life. That's life. Other life is not God, uh, divine life. That's why the second letter, Peter says, the divine nature. And he's begotten us unto in the divine nature. He lives in us. That is when we live. He said, "When because I live, then you will live. And that is true life. He's life, eternal life. It's not living forever. It's eternal life. He said, to know me and the Father is eternal life. And John said, he is eternal life. It's a, <clears throat> it's a divine life, not a created life. And there is all the difference that could possibly be between those things. And so we're born again of that spirit. Then that spirit produces a soul that is of that spirit, and you have to be in fellowship in that spirit, in love, and then I believe then the soul is produced, and it's there, but it may may be more or less, or should be more or less. That's the profit. That's the growing. That's the completion of your faith, is the saving of your lives to where it's not uh, all in vain, I mean, as a Christian, and that's why you say, "Well, how's that going to be?" If you have evil speaking, envy, and guile, that's what they're saying: is you're you're fallen, you're you're in a, a darkness, you're you're deceived, or something's going on to where that you don't keep your faith, the trial of your faith. There's there's one place I hope most. People would know where Paul talks to Timothy about widows coming in to the church and uh, when their husband dies or something, been married. 30, and he says, uh, and Anna was a, a, a widow, a widow, a woman in the, the temple, the same as the, the man that when the Lord was brought in as a, a child, uh, Simeon, I guess, the, the prophet and the prophetess, Anna, she was one of the widows that lived there. Day and night, praying day and night, it just uh, devoted to God 100%, as as it were, in everything. So here, the idea of your faith is in those uh, letters to Timothy. I forget which one. He wrote a couple of letters to him. And he says about widows coming into the church, if they're under 60 years old, refuse them. Because what will happen is... <clears throat> they're not quite as mature as they think, maybe, and 60 is a fine line to draw, but I mean, I guess it had to be something. But the idea there is, they're not old enough to realize and mean what they're saying, and he goes on to talk about, they will cast off that pledge to him to be in love with him, and we're all in that, married to him. Now, that's really what it is, but they're going a step further, saying, I'm going to live in the church, be in the church, I'm a pro- I am belong to the Lord, and... And widows, they had no other way. Paul says in that very passage there to Timothy, if the kids can take care of the widow, that's what should happen. But if they're a widow indeed, and they're righteous and this and that, and they're over 60, then the church, because they weren't made of money, but the church then would take them in and support and care for them. And so in that way, the the idea of being... Your faith is tested, <clears throat> and he says there. Don't let them that are young widows do that because they'll, after a while, it'll something will go. They'll be going from house to house, idle or you know, <clears throat> uh, busybodies or what. And then they'll finally say, "I've got to get married. I need companionship of an another of a man or whatever, a family." And there's nothing that it's not that that's wrong at all. That's like, but. You, do, you he And he says then they will become at fault in a way because of what they said and did and professed. And it would be better to refuse them to do, and let them then somehow work out. I don't know, but the, just the phrase there where he says they will cast off their first faith. That's like the Lord saying in the letters he wrote uh, in John there to the church. The first thing is you've left your first love. And that's what's happening here that they're all talking about, the trial of your faith, which works by love. And faith is in the fact that that's our hope. It's not in any other things that we do or don't do. It's in our love that we have for him because only love, like Paul said there, uh, hope, faith, and love, but love is eternal- as you know it's it it's him, he is love, it's all about about that, so the trial of faith is all about our faith in him as a creation of love. We're a new creature, not out of a created spirit, but his spirit that's always been, but we still are our own person, just like he was his own person, but that didn't mean he was selfish, he was his own person, but had the same spirit as the father. We're our own person, but we have the same spirit as he does, as the Father does. That's why he said the Father and I will come and live in you. And when we live in him, then we're in fellowship with him, and that causes great joy. So Peter's saying, right now you're in needs be, you're in real heaviness through temptations, and your te- your uh, faith is being try- tested and tried, and, and it's what it's all about, and it's about your love for Him in whom you don't see. So by faith is as it were in things that are not seen, but in Him. That's what He said that I always try to remember is love me with all your heart. Then everything else follows. If you love Him with all your heart, your mind and your strength, and and see, and the, you'll love each other. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So the see, it's not just pick out an order uh one way or another no i'm I'm trying to make myself anyway realize there's one thing i must do and that's what paul said there's one thing i want to do and that's love him you say well it says know him well no means adam knew his wife eve you love the lord we know him we love him this is in a spiritual way we're married to him and we should love him it's all about him and that's all we really are, is who he is in us. So our faith is anything other than that. And when we are run through testings and trials, like James says, count it all joy. Peter says here, greatly rejoice, even if you're right in the midst of a heavy temptation, and there's all kinds of them, and they get, I guess, more and more till you get to the end of life, and then that becomes the, the great test of your love for someone else and God. But in other heaviness and trials that go back and forth of a lesser nature still were in those things through chastening, if need be. And, And there would come a time, like he says over here, that the God of all grace, after a while that you've suffered, you will be established, strengthened, and settled. And it's not arbitrary. It's something that when it gets to that point that you want it or not or what, and, and it happens, I mean, with all your heart, then it's not that he's just waiting until an arbitrary time to, to do it. But Peter's saying, you, be in it for the long haul, through the race, and you'll come to the end, and he will settle you. <clears throat> and that happens in different temptations that come along, each one of those. You you come into it, you struggle, you and you overcome and you get through. And then they just keep on. And James, finally, he's saying, count it all joy. Because like Job said, if he comes and the biggest test of all is, well, it's time to die, Job. And I'm not going to say, well, hold it. What about this? What about that? And every, Okay, time to die, okay. That's Job. That's what he's saying. I have faith in him. If he comes to slay me still, I will trust in him. That's what he really, really felt in his heart. And that's what they're talking about. That's faith. Of all. By faith, we do this. Like, That's what it's all about, is faith which works by love. And our inheritance, in my mind, is the Spirit that's reserved. He's in us too. But he prayed in John 17 to his father. You know, He knew. He said, I'll live in you, and we'll make our home in you. But, Father, I pray, too, that when they die, they come to where I am with you in our real, and it just is all magnified big time. But it's so important, the message they teach, Paul and Peter. And uh, he said in that second letter, I'm about to die probably like real quick. And so he wanted to stir up our memories on these things that he's talking about right here, uh, that it's all about our faith in him, and that's our hope. For eternal profit and reward, and if we do that now, then um, our lives it 's like flying, you break ground and you learn to fly like a baby bird or something you learn to fly, or like a baby learn to walk that 's the, really the example that you walk and you learn to stand and then walk and then stumble, walk some more, and then run, maybe try something, and then run real fast and then run faster and and that 's the kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed when, like James says, when you meet him or he appears one way or another you're in front of him. He said if you are faithful, then you have confidence and if you abide in him, that's what he says and that's what the Lord said, abide in my love, then you'll have confidence to the extent you did and he said if you don't then you'll be ashamed and he's talking about love. There's Just no question about it. And that's walking in the truth. And he talks here about receiving the end of your faith, which works by love, the salvation of your soul. And right then, uh, a, a little bit later in that first chapter, he says in verse 20, you've seen, you've purified your souls. Well, how would that be? In obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unconditional love of other believers. And you love one another with a pure heart being born again. See, that's what he's saying over here. We're begotten again unto a lively hope. And if we do this, then Paul says, strive to be accepted of him, whether here or there, because it's so important. Somebody could say, and you know, maybe I did in a way, well, you know, getting there will be so good that, yeah, I should do better. But even if I don't, it'll still be all right. Well, I think they're They are enlightened, and they were then, and writing in inspiration in Scripture enough to know and say, you may think that now, but when you get there and stand there and see what you've suffered loss that you could have had, had you made the right choice here and purified your souls through letting go of unforgiveness and bitterness unto unfeigned love, says in King James, but that's without partiality. Like the Lord said, love those. Like the heathen, love those, love them, they, you don't love me, I won't love you. He says, Your Father in heaven's not that way, I'm not that way, you can't be that way, and be in my love. And so being with a pure heart, that's what that is, that we and if we love him, we will love each other. And Peter says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, the old man, the old spirit, the old nature is still alive and well, and the old man as it were in his deeds, but his heart has been replaced. I remember that and uh, I try to refrain like I'm saying and try to stay with what they're saying but I can't help but think about when I was saved and when the Lord came into my heart I was truly I was still who I was as just an entity <laughs> and everything changed that I thought about anything about anything it didn't matter even the big questions why am I here and all that where am I going no it's a uh, what What does today mean? What does life even mean? And all of a sudden all when I knew who he was, it settles all questions in a, as it were in a way, then began the idea of how do I live and I began to realize, and that's where we all are then, however many years later, and so Peter is saying, "Purify your souls, your lives through that that's the issue. The Lord is not saying you have to be perfect. That word it still is unfortunate. It's complete, is that you finally complete yourself, make a circuit, and actually be on the, in the race and actually doing and, and loving like you should. That's being complete or perfect. That's love without partiality and being able to pray for your enemy. Because you're born again of the person of God, the Spirit of God, the Lord himself, who is love. And the word of God is incorruptible and lives forever. That's where they're saying, and Peter says here, as obedient children, don't fasten yourself in the lust of how it was before. and, and, And abstain from things that war against your life. But be holy as he is because it's written, Be holy as I am. And if you call on him, you should be trembling in that way, because you know he paid for you and the right to live in you and make you who you are as a new creature and give you that gift with his life, with his blood. He paid for it. And he was ordained before the world. We're ordained before the world and all that. So Peter's saying, look at what he's given you, and the earnest of the inheritance. Look at the inheritance that you've got, and look what you've got coming. And this word, greatly rejoice. It means because I kind of have to throw in a word. I like words, but all you can't get all, all about words. But it, there only is the word, and and that's that's really what they're talking about. Where he says in the end of this chapter, anyway. But the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word. Uh, that we preach to you. Therefore, lay aside all evil speaking and all that and come to him. And that, that's what it's all about time after time after time. But anyway, he talks here. He says, even in the time, if need be, you're in heaviness, sorrow, and and uh, through a kind of a temptation or something that that's uh, different or more and all that and manifold all kinds, too many, or whatever. But And it's need be for a season. So, in my mind, if you greatly rejoice and set your heart on things above and in what you have and what you have coming, at least for the moment or the minute or longer, your joy this other doesn't exist. That's that's how you die to it is you choose. To live in the other, and he's right there to support you all the way. That's what it's sort of all about. In the way of you have to make a choice, but that's all you can do. But that's all that—that's everything because that's all. Then the power is supplied uh, totally by him. Anyway, this word uh, greatly rejoices. Two words, but it, it, you know, there again, it's actually one word that comes from two words in the Greek. Anyway, but uh, it kind of means the first part means much. Uh, a lot, and so they get greatly. And then rejoice is the, the main word of it that means to uh, jump jump up off the ground, leap upwards, or more than that, maybe gush forth or spring up like a a water fountain, or like when they're drilling, hit all, you know or something. And it spring gushes forth, a gusher. Uh, so uh, rejoice is is spring forth, and it's the same way the Lord said uh, the spirit will be in you, a, a well of water springing forth into everlasting life. So that this is the, that word for therefore spring forth a lot, <laughs> and in and, and enjoy, and, and so they put, greatly rejoice in what you have, the inheritance that you have right now that's in you that you can know, and, and like I was going to say earlier, and uh, want to say again, is that's what they're saying is that's so important, not only for how it'll make you feel now, but how that when you get there, then what's there that will be that amplified it's in the way of that's all you'll be that's how it's magnified and, and so the more you are the more you'll be and that's what they're saying you'll understand that then but the the opportunity will be gone so they're saying we're trying to tell you now in the opportunity he's given us the instruction and inspiration and knowledge And Peter is saying, Paul has been doing it all the time. I'm going to do it before I die in this last letter I write. That's in his second letter. But in his first letter, he even still was talking about it before that. But he's saying, when you are in this way, to me, what I've been struggling with, is having to accept the end of life for others and or myself in the way that that's going to be the greatest of temptations and testings, especially between man and wife or this and between God, all that when it comes to the end, whenever that is, that's going to be the real testing and trial of our faith. And so these little family problems and things that go on between friends and forgiving them and stuff begins to pale away when you look at the greatest test. But even that is what they're saying and, and and James is saying, all testing counted all joy for all of them. And Peter's saying, greatly rejoice right in the midst of it. And it'll not only help you get out of it and deal with it, it will. Because that's what you're choosing to set your... Now, when that testing comes along and the unthinkable happens like that, and I see it coming sooner than later in my life, as it were, somehow or another, I don't know how, but then then what i'll have to keep my joy i'll have to keep my confidence in that yeah like a dear navajo lady that was a believer that's gone home told me not all that long ago when she was still alive and she called me her adopted son even though i'm not, i'm not navajo at all but she had no children and never been married and all that but she was up in the late 70s when she, she but she told me one of the last things she said is We'll catch up with each other someday, son. So that's what it'll be, and that's our confidence. That's our faith. That's what we hold on to is what he's given us and what he's promised us. And yeah, there's some trial in between, but we just trust in him. Thank you for listening to the program.